The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we're going to tell you to stop being good. Well... That's kind of crazy, right? Who would say that? Well, we're going to say that today because what we're going to tell you to start doing is to start being real. See, most of us have been raised to be good. We were to share, be kind, be loving, say thank you when we didn't feel grateful, say I'm sorry when we weren't, hug people we didn't want to hug, and say we love people we didn't even know, much less love. But the idea of goodness held a magical quality for most of us. We thought that if we were good enough, then we would be worthy. We would be loved and we would finally rest secure. So when we talk about being real, we assume that being real means something less than being good. And the magic will go away. We assume that then we will not be worthy and we will not be loved. But being real doesn't mean being bad, mean, unkind, or unworthy. Being real means being genuine. And this show is not only going to clarify the difference, but it will bring home the reasoning for why we drop the act of being good and begin to adopt and adjust to our genuine self. So stay here for every minute of this. You're not going to want to miss it. So Thich Nhat Hanh said something I've said before uh, in one of his uh, essential, in his book called Essential Writings. He said, people think it's impossible to establish a system of ethics without referring to good or evil, but clouds float. Flowers bloom and wind blows. What need have they for a distinction between good and evil? There are people who live like clouds and flowers and wind who don't think about morals, yet many people point to their actions and words as religious and ethical models and they praise them as saints. These saints simply smile. If they revealed that they do not know what is good and what is evil, people would think they were crazy. I would encourage you to read that book by Thich Nhat Hanh. It's called Essential Writings, filled with wonderful wisdom. So this whole thing about being good, we were all raised to be good. Uh, Well, I won't say all. Most of us were raised to be good. And sometimes so much so that we became what we thought was bad in response to it. Sometimes we were raised by such hyper-religious or hyper-critical parents that we became bad Because that's all they ever noticed about us. And we decided that in order for us to exist at all, we must have to exist as bad people. And so we became that. And then, of course, to prove that we were existing, we had to be badder and badder and badder. Bad English, but you get the point. So being good is the same thing. In order to be worthy, we're going to have to be gooder and gooder and gooder. 
but the truth is that goodness is very often ingenuine. We say that all the time. We say people are, oh, he's a good guy. Those are good folks. That's a good woman. And we're talking about people, generally speaking, who are caring, loving, kind people. What we don't know is what's going on inside them. They may truly be genuinely caring, loving, kind people, but they may not be. They may be people who are caring and loving and kind because that's how you be good. And all the while, they're holding resentment between their teeth. So we don't know what goes on inside people. And for us to define them as either good or bad is, is to, to make, live on the shallow end of the pool. It's to say that we understand goodness and badness. And really, goodness and badness in the first place are just, as we've said in other shows, um, sort of filtering terms. Terms that we use to sort of filter out or filter in the things that we want and the things that we don't want from our lives. Nothing wrong with that in general, but when we do it with regard to people, we make people good or bad, what we're doing is assuming all kind of character flaws or character traits that we either like or don't like. So we might say a person is good if he gives us a lot of money. That's a good person, right? He's given me lots of money, so therefore he's a good person. But actually... We don't know anything about what goes on inside of him. And that's one of the things that all of our um, well-respected religious leaders have said to us at some point or another. They've said it really is about what goes on inside of you. That's one of the things Jesus said most profoundly. He called the Pharisees who were all about the external law, how to behave, how to ritualize, how to, to honor the Sabbath, etc., etc. He called them whitewashed sepulchers. Because they were clean on the outside, but not so much on the inside. And he didn't do that because he thought that they could clean up their act on the inside by themselves. He did that because he wanted them to see that the real law is the law of the inside. Because the real law is the law of love. And we tell ourselves that all the time. You know, we should love people. We should be kind. We should be generous. We should be um, uh, open and receptive to people. But what do we do if we're not? We just sort of, sort of try to push ourselves into place. Well, let's talk a little bit about this whole thing about what we mean by being real. First of all, the definition of being real isn't going around telling everybody off that we've always wanted to tell off. It's not finally saying all those things that you held inside for fear you might hurt somebody's feelings. It's not just telling Aunt Mary that that dress she wears is ugly. It's, that's not what being real is. That's the shallow, shallow, shallow end of that pool. Being real means taking personal responsibility for every aspect of one's being and life. It means owning what is ours and letting go of the rest. It means realizing that our joy, our peace, our relationships, our careers, our lives fall under the purview of personal responsibility. It means giving ourselves permission to put boundaries where we need them to be so that we can live a life free of taking responsibility for someone else's responsibility. It means owning one's passion and compassion so that they become the whys and the hows of living. It means opening up to be fully true to one's deepest and most authentic self. So you see, being real is not about wearing blue jeans to the office because you feel like it, even though they have a dress code that says you can't do that. 
And it doesn't mean just telling Aunt Mary that you didn't like her dress. It means taking responsibility, full responsibility for your own happiness, your own joy, your own peace, your own integration. So how does one become real instead of being good? Well, when I said at the the title of the show, I said, stop being good, start being real. We can't really stop being good until we start being real. It, It works in reverse to the way I put it in the title, but I did want to get your attention. I'll confess to that. Uh, the The idea of um, starting to be real means that we start on the inside. We don't start with what we wear or what we say. We start on the inside to begin to really look at what goes on in there. That requires some self-empathy. So by self-empathy, I don't mean self-sympathy, which would take the form of pity. I don't mean sitting around on our pity pot saying mommy and daddy were bad to me. I mean taking personal responsibility for what we find inside of ourselves. And by responsibility, I don't mean erasing it. I mean integrating it. So how in the world would we integrate, for example, some resentment that we have for having been good so long and nobody else loves us. Nobody else is as good to us as we are to them. You know, there's lots of us out there who are servants of mankind, trying very hard to do the right thing and think the right thing and feel the right thing all the time. And we we go around doing good. And yet, we also feel that other people should be doing that for us sometimes. And they're not. And we really... That really hurts our feelings and it really makes us feel resentful of them. And then we feel bad that we feel resentful and we feel that we should get rid of that feeling and we should, you know, be a feeling only loving things and we should look for the God in them and we should, you know, offer them more kindness, go out and do more good and that will make the resentment go away. But actually the resentment is something truthful inside of us. It's telling us something about our lives and most of the time what it's telling us is that we're doing a whole lot of stuff we don't really want to do it's real simple we try to make it real complex that oh i've got this good part of me that's that is loving and kind and i've got this bad part of me that's resentful and selfish and wants to have what it wants when it wants it and just you know i wish i could get rid of that bad part of me but i can't figure out how quite how to do that i've been praying i've been meditating i've been doing all this stuff for a long time it's just really not taken And I don't understand that, but I guess I'm just going to have to keep on working on it because, you know, I need to eliminate that part of me. But actually, we don't need to eliminate it. We don't need to eliminate anything we find inside of us. Let me say that again. We don't need to eliminate anything we find inside of us because elimination means that we're broken again. We've taken something inside of us, some energy that is ours and send it somewhere else. And where are we going to send it? Generally speaking, that means we project it onto somebody else and we say they have that problem. You see, we can't really take what is what is the oneness of who we are and break it and send it off in particles somewhere else. It just doesn't work that way. So when you hear people say that we need to get rid of that ego or we need to get rid of that, that pride or that arrogance or that sinfulness What we're really saying is, I don't like that part of me, and I sure do wish I could get rid of it, but guess what? It's not going anywhere. Your ego does not go anywhere. In fact, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, 
terminology used in the New Age and, and or New Thought and or human potential movements really define the ego as a personality, as a part of us that doesn't want God, doesn't want the divine, doesn't want uh, the Buddha nature, doesn't want uh, the divine self to be an aspect, uh, it doesn't want it to own us. And so it resists and it resists and it resists. And it's it's kind of like a pretty much this, the uh, new language for the same old paradigm as God and Satan. So we have this higher self that's like God and we have this lower self, which is the ego, which is very much unlike the divine and, he, and, and is uh, like a temptation in our ear, a saboteur, something that would keep us from getting to the higher self. And that's, that's the same paradigm that uh, the Christians and um, Islam and some of the other religions have had around the world that they're of good and evil. We're just calling it something different. But it isn't different. The truth is we are oneness. And this is how this is my truth. So if you choose to disagree with this or you find something in it that you think is untrue, then, you know, throw away what you find to be meaningless for you and keep the rest. So I'm not telling you what your truth has to be, but I want to share this with you because I want, I want you to rethink. I want you to think out loud, think to yourself, write to yourself, begin a dialogue with your inner self about what I'm saying. Is it possible that what we're supposed to be doing with what we find inside of us that we call bad is integrating it? And what do we mean by integration? Well, we mean the same exact thing that we meant back in the 60s and 70s and 80s when we were talking about integrating our schools. We're talking about blending. We're talking about putting all the different aspects of ourselves together in one place and having them all learn similarly. So, okay, well, let's look at that then. Let's go back to the same scenario about resentment that we had a few minutes ago. In order to integrate resentment, I'm going to have to start seeing it as as uh, as some kind of message to me about me and for me. I'm going to have to start looking for a message in it. And typically the message of resentment, as I said, is that it uh, is telling us that we're doing a whole lot of stuff that we don't really want to do, that isn't, doesn't fall into the, the category of sacred desire. It isn't authentic. It's something we think we have to do or should do or ought to do, but it isn't real. And so the resentment comes up from ourselves to say, hey, stop, you're doing a bunch of stuff you don't want to do. And if we listened to it and honored it, then we would stop doing that stuff and do more genuine stuff. So here's the thing. Guilt is one of those things that we tend, that, with, that and I've done a couple of different shows. I had one show here um, uh, by, with John Borsinko where we talked about guilt and I would encourage you to find that in the archives and, and listen to it. It's a great show. And Joan is a wonderful, uh, talented speaker. So, um, y- you know, guilt is an unnecessary um, authority. It tells us to do all kinds of shoulds and oughts and have to, have tos that we don't really have to, should, or ought do. We, we, we believed many centuries ago, we believed that in order for us to behave right and to become what we thought of as godly or saintly people, we would have to have a bunch of laws to tell us what to do. And so we have believed that for so many centuries now that it's archetypal. And so we have this should and this ought in our head and it, it, it informs us of what we ought to be doing. And, 
and makes us feel guilty when we're not doing it. But if those things don't really come from real compassion or passion, then they're not genuine, and we're going to build some other feelings about those things. We're going to build some resentment. So we got guilt and resentment battling against, I should do it, but I don't want to do it. I should do it, but I don't want to do it. I should do it, but I don't want to do it. And of course, the minute we start thinking about our want-tos, then we start thinking that we're selfish for even wanting something different than what we ought to do. And here we go down the vortex, and we're in this battle between self and self, and we just don't know how to win the battle. So we give in. We cave. We say, okay, I'll do the things I ought to do because they're going to get me the reward of feeling worthy. And we've been staying in that vortex for centuries and centuries. Guess what? It hasn't changed the morality of planet Earth one iota. We still have genocide. We still have murder. We have serial killers. We have rape. We have all kinds of terrible, heinous crimes and, and you know, errors of judgment and all kinds of things out there. Just exactly like we always did, nothing has changed. So maybe we should try something different. Maybe we should try being genuine for a while and see how that works out. Because if, if what we did was honor who we are at the deepest essential core of who we are, we wouldn't need any laws to tell us what to do. If compassion by itself was enough, then we wouldn't need the law that says that we should love and be kind. We would just do that. And that's what the, the Bible, Christian Bible, and the Jewish Tanakh are talking about when they talk about writing the law of God on your hearts. It means that you don't need the law because your heart already knows it. And, and uh, you know, the Buddha nature the, talks about that. The, uh, I mean, the sutras, Buddhist sutras that talk about the Buddha nature talk about that. The, the, where you become this genuine person who operates out of the deepest core of who you are, which is compassion and passion. And that's all we need. We've made it so complex and so difficult, but it's really not. It's really not difficult at all to be who we are. It's just a matter of deciding that that's what we want to be and going after it. But we've made it so hard because we're scared of it. We're scared that if we start being who we are, we're going to end up being selfish and therefore we'll be unworthy. And then what happens to unworthy people? What are the eternal consequences to unworthy people? At least those that are taught in many of our churches in the West. So you see this thing about not being, stopping being good is a real, real big deal. But if we could start being real, we wouldn't need to think about being good. So we're going to stop right there for right now. We're going to take a little break and we'll come back with some more. You don't want to miss this. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, Your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. 
Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you just getting started on the path to metaphysical healing of yourself? Would you like to have some fun as you find out more? Join Julia Stubbe and Carol Lee Schloth each week as they guide you through the Energetic Toy Box. This show will gift you the basic foundation and tools as you discover your spiritual path on a deeper level, encouraging the exploration of many facets and concepts such as chakras, healing, meditation, crystals, and more, so that you can use these in your daily life. The Energetic Toy Box is here for you every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Inside Out is the voice of the inner revolution. Join host Beth Green and co-host James Maynard for a weekly program empowering humanity to change. We heal traumas getting in our way, see ourselves more clearly, overthrow stale and destructive personal and social traditions, explore a new liberating spirituality, meet guests who are challenging old ways, and join up with others who are changing themselves and our world. Listen for Inside Out. Live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a Ph.D., a Doctor of Ministry, or in the Holistic Theology Program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you can get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. Population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIST's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even traditions transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love 
at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about what it means to stop being good and start being real. And what we've said so far is that good is uh, a little bit ephemeral. It's something that we can't really grab hold of, but it's something that we can use as sort of a bargaining chip to help us feel worthy. So let's talk a little bit more about that bargain. So worthiness. The people that commonly kill themselves... Now, let me say that differently. Commonly, the people who kill themselves are people who have swallowed and identified with a great deal of shame. Their I am is all tangled up with shame. Shame is the lowest, most difficult emotion we can feel. And and nobody wants to feel it. And so we've arranged for these bargains to keep us out of the field of shame. So if we come up with critical parents who shame us for who we are or how we dress or how we think or our mathematical genius or our artistic talents or anything else that parents commonly shame children for, uh, then what we've, what we've uh, learned is that we should be ashamed of who we are. And that's a very, very difficult space to live into. And so what we do is bargain with it. So on the other side, we can just become these very gracious, very kind, very good-hearted, very generous, very open people who are just accepting and loving and kind. And we don't even know we're doing this. It all happens pre-verbally before we even can, can really frame any, anything into a thought well before the frontal uh, lobes are developed, uh, well before we have much more going for us than intuition and our gut raw res- emotional responses. So we, we're, we're really, really vulnerable to that kind of influence. And if our parents are either hypercritical or very, very o- overly religious um, uh, to the point that it, it becomes um, an obsession and uh, to the point that it is almost addictive, then we grow up in homes that teach us that goodness is the answer. I'll be good, therefore I won't be shamed. I'll be good, therefore I'll be closer to God or closer to the uh, the higher power, whatever we call that. So, it you know we're striving after goodness as if goodness is the answer to our problem, and for a while it does seem to be. But after a time, we get involved with maybe some healthier people, people that are not as invested in criticizing us, and and the game changes, and we don't know the rules, and and. And so what we do is instead, we avoid the people that will change our rules and we people our world with people who will play the game we're playing without either one of us knowing we're playing it. So we will we'll be attracted to people who don't really um, care much about our needs, but we're going to be there for them, by golly. We're going to take care of them and take care of them and take care of them and take care of them. And then we find ourselves in positions of resentment where, like I said in the pre- first segment, we are... Uh, we're lost. They don't even know we're in the room in terms of our own needs, in terms of our own issues, in terms of our own thoughts and wants and emotions and joys and sorrows. They don't know that's in the room. They just know that somebody in the room is in the room who's going to take care of them. And that's how they use us. And then we begin to resent that and we begin to wonder why nobody likes us for who we are and, and really just likes us because of what we can do for them. 
And that becomes a very difficult conundrum for, uh, for a lot of people. A lot of people have this issue, particularly people that are religious, particularly people that struggle with worthiness. This is a big, big deal. And so when you say to them, stop being good, they're going to go, what are you talking about? How could I do that? I mean, I, don't, I won't even know who I am if I stop being good. And yet, you know, that's the very challenge. Of course, what we, we're not going to be able to stop being good until we start doing something else. We won't just strip ourselves naked. We're just, that's just way too vulnerable. We're not going to do it. So, so really, as I said in the first segment, the, the title should, have been re, should be reversed to start being real so that you can stop being good. But uh, I wanted to get your attention, as I said. And so we, we're, we're, we have this bargaining going on, and we think that the bargain is goodness. But that's the illusion. That's the illusion. Um, and, and we don't even know that we're bargaining with the universe and bargaining with our parents and bargaining with our memories and bargaining with our I am nature to, to try to be something just so we won't have to be, feel ashamed or feel unworthy in any kind of way. We don't know we're doing that, but we are. And all too often, it ends up in a therapist's office with, you know, why can't I stop feeling so resentful? Why am I so exhausted, so tired? Well, it's because you've been doing for other people and your own energy is depleted to the point that you are beginning to feel it physically now. So this thing about being good is a real conundrum because, you know, when we talk about not being good, we assume that means the other side. Although if you're not going to be good, you're going to be bad, right? And so what that means is that, oh my gosh, then I really won't be worthy or I'll be selfish or I'll be you know, something else that isn't good. And and then what will happen to me eternally? What will happen to me now? How will I even imagine myself in that other place? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about going down deep and taking that personal responsibility we talked about in the first segment. So what do I mean about taking personal responsibility? Well, personal responsibility means that I belong to me. I belong 100% to me. I don't belong to anyone or anything else except perhaps the divine, which is also, in my view, me. Um, and w- because all things are one, and uh, so, so I, if I belong one hundred percent to me, one hundred percent, that means there's no cracks in that. That means there's no room in that for me to belong me to belong to somebody else. It means there's no room in that for somebody else to belong to me. So what that means is all this time that I've been thinking that I was making other people happy, I was just bargaining. All this time that I thought that I was trying to fix other people's lives and make their lives okay, I was just bargaining. I was just trying to make me feel okay about me. And, and yet all this time I've been thinking that I was being unselfish. Actually, I was caught up in my own narcissistic wound. And I was lost in that to the point that I didn't know any, what else to do except what I have been doing. And when I look at that and can take responsibility for that, it means that I can have empathy for myself. Of course I did that. What else would I have done? How, how would I have survived if I had just sat in the shame that is given to me on the flip side of being good? Being bad? How does a person live into that unless they enjoy it? And that's what happens with sociopaths. They enjoy uh, that that kind of feeling of badness because they've identified with it 
for whatever reason, uh, they've attached themselves to being being bad in the same way that you have attached yourself to being good. And they're just concepts. They're just concepts. They have no more merit than that. Genuineness doesn't come from goodness. It comes from compassion. It comes from love. And, you know, we have a passage in the Western uh, world, in the, in the Western religions, in the Christian Bible, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that defines love. And it says, if I give my body to, the, uh, to be burned, even if I give everything that I've got away and even give my body to be burned and it doesn't come from love, it means nothing. Zippo, nothing. So that means that all the righteous deeds that I do because I should, they mean nothing. All the good things I've been doing because I'm scared of being bad, that means nothing. If it doesn't come from genuine love, it means nothing. So everything that we do on this planet that doesn't come from love means nothing. Nothing. And if there's anything we're looking for on this, in this life, it's meaning. We are looking to make life meaningful. And love makes sense. Love makes meaning. Love makes, it, makes our connections valid. You can should yourself into a relationship all you want. I mean, I've certainly known lots of couples who've done that. They've stayed in relationships for years that they thought they should stay in because of the kids or because of the money or because of it's the good thing to do or it's the Christian thing to do or it's the right thing to do or it's the godly thing to do or whatever. They stay in those marriages. And inevitably what happens is one or both of them end up having an affair. Why? Because the heart is a lonely hunter. The heart cannot be foreclosed on forever. The heart is hungry to love and, and be loved. The heart is hungry for that, and it will find a way to get what it needs. And we would say, well, yeah, but that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. And I say, what was wrong was to stay in the marriage because it wasn't real. It wasn't genuine. And, and we think that we're harming our kids by leaving the marriage and making our home into a quote-unquote broken home, but actually what we're doing is we're harming our children by showing them how to live a fake life. Because that's what we're showing them. And so when it comes to this thing of being real, we're talking about owning what's real inside of us. Taking every feeling that we have inside of us and listening to its message. Taking every um, desire inside of us and seeing if it can be fulfilled. Is it possible for me to take a Saturday off and just really enjoy myself and do some things that make me giggle and not feel obligated to go, you know, um, visit the poor and mow the grasses of all the people that in my neighborhood who need that or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing to serve other people instead of even imagining that I could sit down for a minute and think about myself? Is it possible for me to fulfill my own desires without thinking that I'm selfish? These are questions that are literally asked by millions of people all over the world every day. Could I even imagine doing what I love doing without feeling guilty about it? Now, to some of us, that sounds really strange because some of us live in more uh, authenticity. 
But if we look down deep inside of ourselves, we might find some element of that in us too. How many of us feel guilty for for having a good life and feel that we shouldn't really want for more because there's so many people that are suffering on the planet? Well, certainly there is suffering on the planet for sure. And that is the shadow aspect of all of our uh, greed. When we have people all over the United States and in Great Britain and Europe who are multimillionaires and billionaires who are out buying, you know, 10, 15, 20 cars, helicopters and jet planes and building big mansions and not send, you know, contributing any of their money to uh, to uh, to the travesty and tragedy of things that are happening globally, then we end up with a lopsided world. Uh that that is the trouble that was uh you know when we talk about the old testament there's so many people who quote particularly right now in this day right in this month when it seems that the supreme court is going to be ruling on uh gay rights to marry gay lesbian glbt rights to marry um there's so many people quoting the old testament and talking about sodom and gomorrah you know, so many Christians out there saying this is just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And they say that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that there was homosexual liaisons going on there. And uh, that was their big sin. But actually, if you read the text of the uh, the Bible there, what it says is that their sin was that they were wealthy and they did not help their poor neighbors. And so we might be looking at, you know, if we're, if we're looking at God as a punitive God and we're looking at consequences, um, I think it would be more realistic to look at consequences. The consequences of us building up one side of something and not touching the other side is that eventually it gets lopsided, unbalanced, and it begins to topple. So our economic system is more in danger of toppling the more greed there is because it gets unbalanced. Because there's so many, so much suffering on the other side, and imbalance seeks balance. So it it will topple not because we're being punished, but it will topple because we need balance, and it seeks that out. So when we have these periods of drops where, you know, we're we we call it a recession, it's 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 the energy of the economy trying to balance itself out, and yet. You know, we have more and more people. We we hear all the time that one percent of the world, of the of the population, holds ninety percent uh, of the wealth, and that's really all wrong. That's that's a total imbalance, and eventually, it's going to pan out because the process of the energies of the world is to seek balance. So, that's the same thing in the human psyche. If we are striving to be good, eventually, we're going to. We're going to burn. We're going to burn out on that. And we're going to start feeling resentful. And then we're going to have to get some more balance back in our lives. Um, so the, uh, homeostasis is something that's being sought in all things. Psychology, spirituality, the air we breathe, you know, the buildings we create, everything. Homeostasis is a very important aspect of the energies of the world. And so, you know, when we talk about suffering... We say, well, I feel guilty because there's so many people out there suffering. Well, we can do our part. We can do our part. We can vote our our conscience. We can give where we can. 
and we can and we can certainly pray we can certainly meditate we can certainly you know push on that one percent of the world to give their part um, we can certainly do what we can do about that but that doesn't mean that we should not seek after what is true in us to seek after and I'm not saying that we should get greedy <laughs> I am saying that uh, it's really important to to notice what uh, is true and false in in the world in terms of balance. So we're going to stop right there. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a few more minutes with more about stopping being good and starting being real. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you ever felt as if you don't fit in? Are you in need of a breakthrough? You might even need to connect with your angels or a loved one on the other side. Tune in to Exploring the Full Spectrum Life with host Michael Lott. Michael and his guests will provide fresh perspectives, inspiration, healing, and insights for your life. It's time to move into new dimensions in your life and fulfill your higher creative calling now. Start by listening live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Are you ready to shift into higher consciousness? Are you ready for contact with beings from higher dimensions? Ancient and new spiritual technologies will help you take that evolutionary step. Find out more about this powerful shift when you tune in to Conscious Evolution Radio with Ann Gelsheimer. Let's help humanity evolve, bringing in the best possibilities and ideas that our world needs right now. Conscious Evolution Radio can be heard live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. we're back for the final segment of our show today stop being good start being real we've talked a little bit about the bargains we make with goodness we've talked about how it is that we we get involved in the act of being good and and we've also talked about some of the sort of uh ways that this works in a global and individual fashion so i want to talk now about what what we will get from 
dropping the act of being good and beginning to adopt and adjust to a genuine self. Because here's the deal. We have a genuine self. Everyone on the planet has a real authentic self. We may have sent it to the closet, you know, and closed the door. We may have even stuffed cotton under the door and all around the edges of the door so we can't see or hear it. But it's in there. And when we deny it, it impacts us. It 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 comes out in little ways that we can't uh, deny. We we we. It's like the light that seeps under the door. You know, even if you stick the cotton under there, it's still gonna. There's still gonna be light coming out from behind that door. Um, and we we really can't get rid of it entirely. In fact, if we did, we'd be dead. If we actually got rid of the authentic self in all of its energy. We die because the authentic self is exactly who we are in terms of our physicality, in terms of our ment- mental self, in terms of our emotional self. All of it is the authentic self. And that is why, excuse me, integration is so very important because we don't want to send away other aspects of ourselves. We want to integrate them in much the same way that we might see a child that's uh, an orphan on the streets and want to take him in. Because integration means I'm going to take you in and I'm going to love you. I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to be open to what you have to tell me. I'm going to show you empathy. I'm going to feed you and clothe you. And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that, that you know that you're loved. And in so doing, the energy itself changes. So we could take a, what we call a bad energy and we could bring it into the, and integrate it into what we might call a good self. And the bad energy would change. Now, I don't use those terms bad and good because I think they're meaningless. I don't think they help me understand what's genuine inside of me. I don't think they help me understand true compassion, true empathy, true intuition, true instinct, uh, true um, initiative. I don't think they help. Those terms don't help me with that. Those are plastic terms that are meaningless when it comes to really deciding what's genuine and what's not. So those terms don't come into being with me. So I would say it this way. If I invite a a, a rebellious, uh, angry, even hurtful part of me into my inner sanctum and I allow it to just express what it feels in front of me, in front of my compassion, in front of my empathy for myself, then it begins to the rough edges begin to fall off and it begins to soften and it begins to become a, a genuine feeling, a genuine pain, a genuine wound and I can begin to soothe it and I can begin to, to heal it. I can lay hands on it because I've embraced it and said, okay, I'm going to take you in and I'm going to love you. It's a little like the prodigal son that Jesus talked about. It ran away it goes out there and it does things that we don't like or maybe other people don't like. Maybe we like it fine, but other people don't. And it's, it's considered to be bad in the world. But eventually it sees the starvation and the woundedness and it comes back home. And it comes to op- back home to open arms. It comes back home to a will- uh, the fatted calf. It comes back home to the celebration of, of being an energy that's just a raw energy that's not uh, measured by goodness or badness, but rather just an energy. 
and that begin, means it begins to change. It begins to shift and balance. And that's what we're looking for is that balance. So, so when we talk about uh, why we would drop the act of being good, well, we would drop it because being real is a whole lot more peaceful. It's a whole lot more loving to self and others. And it's a whole lot m- more um, grounded. We just feel more alive when we drop the act of being good. And, and by that, I don't mean the action of being good. I mean the act of being good. It is an act. It isn't real. It isn't genuine. Anytime we do something just because we know it's the good or the right thing to do, it's not real. If we do it because we love or because we feel compassion or empathy or passion, then it's genuine. But if we do it because we should or we ought or we have to, it's fake. It's not real. And so when, when we drop that act, then we can take off that mask and find out what really is going on inside of us and really begin to incorporate it. Like I, like I said, uh, that orphan child on the street has been cast away because it's, it's, it's a wound that's never been healed. It's uh, an agony that's never been soothed. And it's operating in the external world randomly, you know, trying to make sense, trying to make things make sense. And, you know, it's if I had this hand that just would just mis- misbehave, so my right hand is always misbehaving. And every time somebody walks by, it just punches them. <laughs> you know, my left hand is good, but my right hand, man, it just gets in the way and it's making all this trouble for me. And... You know, what I'm going to have to do is take my left hand and grab hold of my right hand and start to soothe it and love it and listen to it and understand it. That's how things change. Uh, In America, we have a very, very, very harsh idea about punishment. We have a a relatively harsh penal system for the poor, for sure. For the rich, not so much, but for the poor, for sure. And we... We have, uh, in, in Norway, they have a system that is much more gentle, much more open, much more willing to listen to a person's woundedness so that they can begin to heal and begin to operate from their more authentic self. Uh, and their recidivism rate is much less than ours. We have facts on the table in the world today that prove to us that being authentic is way better than living out of a bunch of shoulds that tell us to be good. And yet... We're not listening because we've got that old archetypal thing in our heads that says that being good is the end all and be all. That's all we need to do is be good. We don't have to worry about, you know, how that feels inside or whether or not it's even real. We just need to do the right thing, right? And whatever that right thing is, you know, which is determined by some cultural ethic or some idea or ideal that we got raised with and may or may not have any validity whatsoever. Uh, I think that there have been children raised to steal and they think that's a good thing and they have their camaraderie is based entirely in their thievery and and it's based in a lot of love and a lot of caring and compassion for each other at the same time. Um, Enmity when it becomes necessary for survival but but also based in a lot of sort of brotherhood a gang violence is made up of that sign of need for brotherhood. So there's a lot of, um, you know, quote-unquote bad stuff that happens while, because we're seeking love, because we're seeking to be 
to belong because we're wounded, because we're hurt, and we don't know what to do with this heart except do what we're doing. And so if we can just take that in and love it and integrate it, then it becomes a part of the authentic self instead of this random hand out here doing a lot of stuff that I don't even understand. So so when I say start being real, and then you can stop being good, what I mean by that is that we, we, we get in touch with what, what we are doing and say, okay, I'm doing that. I'm choosing that. I'm not doing or choosing that because... Uh, you know, my mother was a bad mother or my father was a bad father. I'm doing that and choosing that because that's the method I chose to survive my mother and father. That's the method I chose to cope with my woundedness. That's what I chose. I chose that and I continue to choose that. That's me. That's mine. That's not anybody else's. That's what I mean by personal responsibility. And when we do that, what we begin to do is go, okay, why am I doing that? Why would I do that? Why would I sabotage myself and or other people to uh, what, what's the point of that and if I do that then I'm probably going to get to some clearer answers as to what's really going on and begin to develop some self-empathy which means I'm going to have some self-compassion which means that I'm going to smooth off the rough edges I'm going to begin to heal and I'm going to be that better person I'd like to be because I'll be the genuine person that I am so being real does not mean Wearing blue jeans to the office just because you want to. It doesn't mean telling off your great Aunt Mary who treated you bad and pinched you when you were little. It doesn't mean, you know, uh, just saying whatever you want to say to whoever you want to say it. It doesn't mean anything about that. It means going inside yourself and taking responsibility for what you find there and integrating it. So that's what we're going to do. If if we're going to be real, that's what we're going to have to do. And uh, it will have nothing whatsoever to do with actually being um, being good. In fact, uh, when we live fully involved in the kind of authenticity that we've talked about today, there's no need to rate it according to some measurements we call goodness or badness. Those are really inadequate in front of such compassion and passion. Okay, so the next three weeks, we're going to have an interesting uh, lineup of uh, speakers come. We're going to be talking again to Andrew Solomon uh, about his book, Far From the Tree, next week. The following week, we'll be talking to Michael Brown about alchemy and the presence process. And the following week, we're going to talk talk to Roseanne Cash uh, on the authentic life. So you want to be here for those next three shows coming up. And uh, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.